Uh, everybody sets up. They, you can see we have a stunning cast with us today, and uh, ranging from uh, Justices Rucker and Dixon of the Supreme Court, the leaders, uh, legislative leaders of this uh, uh, effort um, uh, from both the House and Senate, and representatives of the many groups who've been part of the uh, product that we're about to unveil for you. Um, literally every uh, significant uh, aspect of law enforcement and criminal justice has been brought together in this project. Prosecutors, parole officers, sheriffs, judges, and um, cannot thank these folks enough. So uh, to everybody here and all the people that in whose stead you are here, uh, we say thanks. Everybody set? Um, to the really exciting prospects for local government reform and education reform in the upcoming General Assembly, we can now, with great excitement, add the possibility of criminal justice reform. In the months since the Pew Center and the Council on State Governments agreed to come in and work with uh, this entire cross-section of Indiana judicial and criminal justice experts, we have hoped uh, for a product, a package of changes that might uh, bring uh, a more certain and firm punishment to the worst offenders in Indiana, more sensible, smarter incarceration for those who pose much less of a uh, physical danger to Hoosiers, and as a byproduct of that, um, uh, grace for taxpayers in the sense of lower costs in the years ahead. And um, uh, I'm thrilled to say that I believe this group has uh, brought about such a product. And uh, I'm happy to now to pass it on uh, to uh, the uh, General Assembly with my strongest endorsement. Let me just say a word or two about uh, what it can mean. First, a word of background and, and a word of commendation for the leadership of our correctional system and every, all parts of it in the last few years. On the far right, you'll see that uh, for the little more than two decades into the early part of the 2000s, Indiana built a major correctional facility about every two, more than every, once every two years. That's an expensive thing to do, but a necessary thing to do, um, uh, or at least so it appeared. And if you'll pull that one off, Jane, just one of many facts I could show you. This is the average cost of uh, taking care of an offender in Indiana, starting in 2005. It's come down from over $25,000 to under $21,000. This is the product of hundreds of reforms and actions and smart management by Commissioner Buss and his predecessors and his whole team. That's one way that you deal with a growing prison population without an exploding cost. Now, um, this, this chart shows, begins in, at today, uh, if it extended uh, toward me, you would see that the prison population uh, in the last six years has grown from about 21,000 to 29,000. Um, this has been accomplished without the construction of a single extra cell. Just through capacity utilization within the system we had, one step after another after another, to uh, use the facilities that had been built in a smarter, more businesslike and effective way. And that's 
another reason that the costs per prisoner have come down so sharply. But we have about gotten to the end of this, of our ability to do this. And in the years ahead, um, the projection you'll see on that blue line is that the, that the number of offenders will continue to grow from something like 29,000 today to something like 35,000 um, in, in seven years. The promise of this proposal, set of proposals that has been brought to us is that we can keep the number in our prisons about flat by the smarter incarceration and the smarter um, uh, punishment of lesser offenders in community and other settings. And uh, one of the benefits of this will be the avoidance of over a billion dollars of spending to build new facilities and then operate them, and tens of millions of dollars in other cost savings along the line through smarter incarceration, allowing us to concentrate our resources better than today on the worst offenders. So that's, I know, a very simplistic summary. I'm going to ask Richard Jerome in just a second to, uh, to, to go uh, more deeply into it. But um, let me, uh, before I do that, make one related announcement. We have concluded an agreement uh, for the uh, expansion of our Newcastle facility by a little over 500 beds for maximum security, that is the most dangerous uh, prisoners. Um, and this will happen at no cost to the Indiana taxpayer under the contract with the uh, private operator of that prison. They will build the space. And the contract calls for a per day, per inmate cost uh, that is uh, $5 less, 37 versus $42 less than what it costs the state in our um, own facilities today. If you didn't know, I should point out that that Newcastle facility under private management became this year the first prison in Indiana history to receive a 100% rating from the American Correctional Association. According to them, it is our best-run prison, and now uh, we'll be uh, charged with uh, taking care of some of our more dangerous offenders. But um, the only way to continue protecting Hoosiers and, and making them Indiana safer and safer, um, and, but doing this in a way that also protects Indiana taxpayers, I believe, is to embrace this package of reform and put together by people so far more expert than I am. But I'm just proud to be associated with it and so grateful, Richard, that, to you and your colleagues um, uh, for coming in, as you have in other states, and uh, helping Indiana and helping our experts uh, uh, assess our situation and come up with the best means of, of improving it. And I'd like to invite you to say a word about that process if you like. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much, Governor Daniels. It really is an honor uh, to be here with uh, Governor Daniels, with the uh, justices, with the state legislative leaders and the attorney general. Uh, I, I do want to say that, that our work around the country has shown that states can cut both crime and corrections costs at the same time. And Indiana is doing it the right way. Uh, here. Um, one of the things that, that I think is, is remarkable is the effort in Indiana here. We're bringing all of the branches of government together. We're doing it basically putting aside 
ideology and really focusing on the data and the evidence and looking at what actually is going to get Indiana a better return on their criminal justice uh, spending. Um, let me just uh, note one or two things. Um, first, for the past uh, 20 years, the, um, there's been a tremendous expansion in uh, the prison population around the country. Uh, so starting in uh, 2008 in January, one out of every 100 adults was behind bars in America. Uh, you add the probation and uh, parole population and you ended up with one out of every 31 American adults under some form of correctional supervision. In Indiana, that's one out of every 26 uh, adults in the state under some form of correctional supervision. So as um, Governor Daniels noted, there's been that increase in the uh, prison population uh, here in the state. Uh, it's increased by about 40% over the past 10 years. And again, much of this growth has come from nonviolent property and drug offenders uh, being sentenced to prison. This has gone hand in hand with a rise in costs. Indiana's general fund uh, spent on the Department of Corrections increased by about the same amount, 37%, uh, from a little less than $500 million to about $680 million between 2000 and 2010. And as uh, the governor noted, there's a cost for keeping things uh, uh, the way they are and, and not addressing uh, this issue. As the governor noted, there's a projected increase uh, from less than 30,000 uh, inmates to about 35,000 inmates in 2017. And of course, uh, that uh, includes a, uh, an additional cost of almost $1.2 billion in operation and uh, construction of additional uh, prison beds. So one of the things that uh, we have done, and, and the, the governor, I think, mentioned this, tomorrow the uh, justice reinvestment effort, the Pew Center on the States and the Council of State Governments will be putting out a report that lays out the data and the research behind the proposals that uh, lead to a reduction in this uh, increase in prison population. Um, and I, I just want to say that this really is good government at its best because you have all three branches coming together, really rolling up their sleeves, digging into the data uh, and the evidence, uh, and coming up with solutions that are pragmatic and that work for the state. And again, it, it's been a very inclusive uh, project, a very inclusive process. You've got uh, criminal justice stakeholders across the system uh, being involved and getting input. And, and that is how we came to uh, the um, recommendations that we have. Uh, I, I also want to say that um, you know, uh, there, this process, this effort, really is uh, you know, a great example of what is happening uh, in other states. We have had success uh, in a number of states in the past, certainly uh, in Texas and Kansas in 2007, uh, Arizona and Nevada in 2008, uh, the work we did in South Carolina just this year. Uh, they put together a uh, omnibus uh, crime reduction and sentencing reform. Uh, package that passed the uh, Senate actually unanimously there and, and in the House by about 97 to, to 3. Uh, but also, uh, it, it's useful to note that there are states that have not addressed uh, these issues wisely and are facing huge problems in terms of overcrowded prisons, uh, an unsustainable increase 
in uh, population and spending. Uh, and, and some states also where the recidivism rate is actually rising. So I think what we find here in Indiana is really an effort to uh, delve into the research and the data to put politics aside. And I think the, the bottom line is that we expect Indiana to come out uh, of this process with corrections and sentencing reform that will uh, protect public safety, hold defenders accountable, and get a better return on the financial resources of the state. So thank you very thank you, much. Richard. You know, those figures Richard gave are probably um, understated because um, some of us married men probably should be counted as being under correctional supervision <laughs> and aren't. Um, so you probably never uh, have uh, had uh, such an array of uh, experts or talent and, uh, to uh, question before, so I invite you to ask questions of uh, any of them. I do, but why don't we ask one of the legislators, I don't know, Senator Steele, maybe, would you uh, just explain sure, that to you. him? Well, there will be a bill that incorporates all of the recommendations by the uh, Pew Institute, and uh, it will start in both houses. One will be forwarded in the uh, House, and one will start in the Senate, and they will obviously cross uh, at, at midterm, and hopefully one of them will make it to the final end by April the 15th and reach the governor's desk. Pardon? They, they, they will will there will be a lot of things, yes, it will. Well, there's just so many aspects of this, Jim, it's really hard to even encapsulate it. And, and once you see the bill, you'll see that it addresses everything. It puts more money back to our local governments to enable them to deal with the D felonies at the local level. We uh, have uh, risk assessment standardization between our Department of Correction and our Pro Board. Uh, just so many tools that we're putting out there for, for every aspect, from DOC to parole to local communities to uh, our courts, giving judges more flexibility with the lesser crimes, uh, smarter sentencing, while allowing uh, uh, what I call a truth in sentencing for the more serious crimes. I think the citizens of Indiana are going to be well served by this because they'll, I think, for the first time actually have some reliability and something they can trust and uh, even understand when it comes to the sentencing of the most serious of our felons. No, we do not. If I can answer your last question, your first question uh, first, um, <clears throat> no, this does not mean uh, that judges are sentencing too harshly. Uh, what it does mean, however, is that there are a lot of sentencing options. Uh, we are constrained, our trial judges are constrained by statute 
on, uh, on what it is it, it can sentence to, and it was within that, in that framework their sentence. What this does it gives, is to give them more sentencing options. In terms of community corrections and the other options available, uh, no system is perfect, uh, but our judges uh, have to work within that framework. Yeah, I, just a little quick color commentary, but um, it's been reported to me so often by Ed and his predecessors, a very high percentage of the um, population at our prisons at any point in time will only be there for 30 to 60 days. Uh, and uh, they, were, they committed relatively minor offenses. They cost a lot of money, and they're taking up space that could be concentrated on the more serious, more dangerous criminals. And so... Um, just as one example of the kind of changes, the many kind of changes that this uh, package should make possible is a more sensible way of dealing with those folks. We have a volunteer. Oh. <laughs> no. Now, the, the point is not to shift the problem back down to local level, because believe me, as legislators, we hear from our own sheriffs and local officials about that. The point is to have better, more systematic supervision, where instead of sending someone to DOC for three months, six months, where it's very difficult to get them any kind of programming to get at the root cause of their offenses, instead, if you get them into an intensive supervision environment, particularly if drugs are involved, you have a better opportunity to get them on the straight and narrow and to prevent them from committing another crime. So that's the goal, not to shift them to the local prisons or jails, but to have them under supervision. Perfect. I feel like we're a little bit handicapped because you guys know more about what you're talking about than we do because you're not releasing the rest of the recommendations. Is that right? We won't see the rest of the recommendations until tomorrow. Is that right? Well, I, any reason we can't speed that up? I don't know. What? Can I ask Senator Steele, I mean, you talked about the felons, so would, under the bill or the recommendations, would no more deep felons come to the state prison system? No, not at all, but we're giving the local government, uh, local authorities, the, the ability to deal with addictions and other services like that, and we're actually putting some more money back toward the government, to our local government, to help them defer these costs. Instead of spending the money at the state level, we're actually shifting some of it back to the local government. And uh, we feel that that's more beneficial to let them deal with the smaller offenses uh, at the home level, so to speak. So. Is that what the Class D Admission Reduction Initiative is? Yes. Who will own the, the building, the new uh, prison next to the capital? Will the state own it, or will DO? I'll refer you over to IFA. I think they will until the end of its term and then it'll revert to the state but I'll have, you'll have to ask them and, how long is the term? and the state owns the current building of course right, yeah right. contract term I'm not sure Judges typically respond to the uh, charges and the conviction uh, of, a, of an offender. And judges typically look at the resources within their own community in order to be able to uh, 
protect public safety and make a difference in that particular offender's life. And what we think is that if we give the resources in the right box, in the right pew, uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> <I like that. laughs> that we will be able to serve uh, the community by having the offender in the right, uh, <laughs> in the right pew. We will be able to uh, develop uh, those kinds of solutions or those kinds of uh, activities that will be most effective. This is all uh, trying to be data-driven, not, e not emotional-driven. It's, it's intended to be evidence-driven and not, uh, not anecdotally-driven. So we want to know what works, not what sounds good, what's not on a poster, but what actually works in, in, in uh, uh, protecting public safety and making a difference in Indiana. Uh, uh, for Indiana taxpayers. We have two obligations. One, the number one, is public safety. Number two is uh, common sense use of taxpayers' money. We cannot, uh, we cannot throw either one under the proverbial bus. We have to act. But judges react to the resources available to them, and they've been doing a wonderful job. Uh, the question about uh, <clears throat> are judges sentencing people too harshly? They're sentencing people according to the law and the tools that they have. So it's not the fault of the judiciary. No, no, no problem. Well, that, that's, oh. <laughs> that's not, <laughs> but that, that's not the, how we got in this place. We got in this place by doing what former Commissioner Donahue always said uh, that his mama told him. We always did what we always did, and we always got what we always got. If you always do what you always did, you'll always get what you always got. And this grew up like Topsy. In other words, we, uh, we determine sentencing according to reacting to uh, crimes and offenses. We uh, would pull back and do some things based on evidence and data. But this is the first time we've been doing it comprehensively. This is the first time we put all of the pieces together to see how they work. So we want to do that. We want to see how it works. Will we make a mistake or a bump in the road? I'm sure we will, but we'll smooth out that bump and we will correct uh, our mistakes because this is important. Thank you, Bill. What tool do you want that you don't currently have in terms of sentencing? What tool do you want? Well, sounds like a judge question. No, the tools that we're going to give the, the judges is we're going to have more flexibility in sentencing in the lower level crimes. We, we we're still going on with a project to look at all of the criminal offenses and the entire criminal code and trying to put that uh, together. That's a tremendous project. We're not done uh, today and we're not done when we submit the bill to the committee tomorrow. Uh, if the committee endorses it, then we have a product that we can share with everybody, but until they endorse it, uh, we're announcing that we're, uh, our, this phase is complete and we have a summary, we're presenting it. 
We're going to ask for the endorsement. We hope to get it. We think we'll get it. And then we'll move on to legislation. And then we'll move on with the project in the future to do uh, overlooking all of the criminal structure. Thank you. Thanks, Let me just say that, that as we do our analysis and our research, and this is true in states across the country, we aren't just looking at what is the, the uh, current offense for which uh, an offender is, is in prison. Um, we are also looking at the, the history. One of the uh, wonderful things uh, and remarkable things about Indiana is the uh, bringing to the state a risk assessment, uh, risk and needs assessment instrument. Uh, I think it's called the Indiana Risk Assessment uh, IRAS, um, where you really uh, are providing the judges providing the uh, Department of Corrections and providing the probation and uh, parole offices with much more information about what are the kind of criminal risk factors um, uh, for these offenders. So which are more likely to reoffend, which are less likely to reoffend, and also what are the kinds of services, whether it's uh, substance abuse treatment or cognitive behavior therapy that will do a better job reducing that risk. I think one of the, the pieces of this um, uh, project and, and, and the, the policy framework is really also not just to focus on the, the sentencing in the front end, but for those offenders who are on probation and uh, parole to make sure that they are staying on the straight and narrow by using better uh, supervision and uh, oversight so that we don't have that revolving door of folks being revoked back to uh, state prison, particularly for technical violations and such. So part of the uh, recommendations and part of the framework is really to focus on, on that population and do a better job of managing and supervising folks who are already in the uh, community. And then part of it as well is dealing with that, uh, the, the picture of the, the uh, nonviolent low-level offenders in a, a proportionate and, and appropriate way. The proposal won't mandate that kind of thing, but what we are hoping to do is have incentives that will encourage counties to have better coordination amongst all the different entities that actually supervise people that have just gotten out of prison or been put on um, probation. And so that's one of the things we want to do is get that better coordination. So we've got some provisions that will do that, but we were very conscious not to come in and just say, you shall do this. We're really trying to make it more of a collaborative effort. That's been the whole point of this process, is to talk to all the people here amongst the different branches of government, all levels of government. There are a lot of moving parts. It's a policy wonk's dream to work on this kind of project. And uh, we didn't want to just come in and say, here it is. You know, this is what you're going to do. We want this to be a collaborative process that people buy into. So we're trying to work it through incentives more than requirements. Are 
No, we didn't focus on the juvenile offender situation because, quite frankly, that's not been the main problem with the prison population or the main um, issues that we saw from the study. So we focused most on the adult population. No, there, there are actually some situations where um, the judges don't have that discretion. And the detail on that we can get into tomorrow because I don't want to misstate it, but there are definitely situations where you have some offenders come before the court and the judge's hands are tied. Even if he thinks it would be better to keep them um, under intensive supervision in the community to solve the root problem, oftentimes the code will say, no, you have to go to the state DOC. And then they get up there and they're not there for that long to really get at the root cause. So um, we'll lay that out tomorrow. But there are some situations where the judges don't have the discretion that maybe they could use. Any further? <coughs> well, again, I just want to thank uh, everybody. And this is uh, uh, only a partial uh, list of those who uh, worked so hard and pulled this together. It's a very impressive uh, product. And it's equally impressive that the consensus that uh, with the help of our uh, guides, uh, like Richard, uh, was uh, was brought off here, so we're we're very excited about it, and uh, it's going to, I believe, be another great reform achievement.